Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're reading in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, last time we read Deuteronomy chapter 13, and that was really an encouragement to shun idolatry, to stay away from idols, and to follow the Lord, right? So here we are. We're ready to read Deuteronomy chapter 14. Now, this is going to be going back over uh, the law of... uh, Food, basically clean and unclean animals, but there's also a little something else here at the beginning. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 14. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people set apart to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you out of all the peoples who are on the earth to be a people for his own possession. Now I want you to notice here it says you should not cut yourselves or shave your forehead. And this says specifically for the sake of the dead, and I think this is for uh, the reason that surrounding cultures did things of this nature. And God is telling them that they should not do that. They don't need to do that. Perhaps some of these cultures worship the dead or, you know, had other erroneous beliefs about things. Um, I think in a way you can relate some of this to as far as getting, you know, tattoos and and marring your body in other ways. Uh, Though I think there are other more clear-cut statements about that later. Or perhaps earlier, we may have already read those because we are in the, uh, I believe, the final book of the of the law, right? This is the fifth book. So we went through Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus, and now we're in Deuteronomy. So that's the the fifth book. So this is the final book of Moses and the fifth book of the law, the original five books of the Torah, and, and I've, I think I've used the word Torah in different ways, and um, I've looked at some definitions of it. The Torah can relate to the first five books of the Bible, like we call it the Pentateuch and call it the books of Moses. Um, but the Torah can also relate to all of the Old Testament. So the, it's saying the Torah can be confusing sometimes, depending on how someone means it. Um, I'm not a Jewish person, and I don't know anyone personally that I could really get a lot of clarification on, so I'm probably going to avoid using that as much since that phrase seems unclear to me, okay? So the first five books of the Bible, though, are the books of Moses. We know that he wrote those, so we're still there. Uh, Again, we're in Deuteronomy 14. I'm going to continue on. That was just the first couple of verses before I got sidetracked. You shall not eat anything that is detestable to the Lord and forbidden by him. These are the animals that you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Among the animals you may eat any animal that has the divided hoof, That is a hoof split into two parts, especially at its distal extremity, and that chews the cud. However, you are not to eat any of these animals among those which chew the cud or among those that divide the hoof in two. 
the camel, the hare, and the Chopin, Chopin, Okay, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, the Chopin or Chopin. It's a small, furry animal found, it says found in uh, basically northern Israel, around the Dead Sea. It's considered to be like a coney, I guess, kin to a rabbit. So, just wanted to mention that. So, it says the hare and the Chopin, so... Um, I imagine they're very similar animals. For though they chew the cud, they do not split the hoof. They are unclean for you. The swine, because it has a divided hoof but does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You shall not eat their meat nor touch their carcasses. Of all creatures that are in the waters, you may eat these. Anything that has fins and scales you may eat, but you may not eat anything that does not have fins and scales. It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean bird, but these are the ones which you shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture, and the black buzzard, and the red kite, the falcon, and the birds of prey of any variety and every raven of any variety, and the ostrich, the owl, the seagull, the hawk of any variety, the little owl, the great owl, the long-eared owl, the pelican, the carrion vulture, the cormorant, the stork, and the heron of any variety, and the hoopoe and the bat. And all flying insects are unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. You may eat any clean bird. So that's a restatement saying you may eat any clean bird. It's exactly the same as stated in verse 11. But of course, he had to tell us which ones were unclean. So any of the other birds you may eat. And you'll notice chickens are not in this list. And chickens are pretty much wild uh uh, accepted worldwide as a as a bird to eat, right? There there may be exceptions that I don't know about, but uh, I don't know of anybody who who hates chicken. So, all right, you shall not eat anything that dies on its own. You may give it to the stranger, resident, alien, foreigner who is in your city gates, so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, since they are not under God's law. But you are a people holy, set apart to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat or a lamb in its mother's milk. Now, that is a strange thing, statement, being made there. And that was due to the fact that I believe some culture or some society there actually did this type of thing. And it seemed like that was a, uh, it just seemed like that was really wrong to uh, boil the the young animal in its mother's milk? I mean, that just sounds, doesn't that sound like a really uh, kind of an abominable thing? Like it just sounds evil, right? So there's probably some other purpose behind it. There's probably some other uh, culture, cultural significance, or maybe that was uh, something that was done in sacrifice to idols or something like that. 
So there's, you know, there's probably more significance to it than just the fact that it, it does sound kind of bad anyway. But I think it was probably done um, probably in some ritual for some sort of um, idol sacrifice or worship. So just something to be aware of. Um, I think this, too, is the rule or the law where uh, some Jews, and I'm, I'm not going to say all because I don't know if all follow this or not, they separate um, milk products from meat and they will not let the two go together. And and that seems kind of weird to me because that makes it sound like you would never have a cheeseburger. But nonetheless, um, there was something about not having dairy and meat touch. So I think that's where they get that from. Let's continue on. Every year you shall certainly tithe a tenth of all the yield of your seed which is produced by your field. You shall eat the tithe, tenth of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to establish his name, presence, so that you may learn to fear and worship the Lord your God with all filled reverence and profound respect always. Now notice what he's saying here. This is a little different. We think of the tithe and everything like that going into the house of God, right? But he actually says, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine. And you'll notice there's been other scripture that we've read where the uh, the offering was, was actually an offering while it was for God in a way. It was also a celebration. You were celebrating the blessings from the Lord with that offering so that you too were consuming some of that offering. So there's this whole idea that you're not just giving to God, but you're, you're uh, celebrating the blessings he has given you. And you're, you're um, acknowledging the fact that everything you have is coming from him, but that he's blessing you with these things. And so you're doing this in his presence. You're eating this tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil. You're doing all of that in the presence of the Lord to acknowledge him and to uh, be grateful and thankful and uh, to be uh, celebrating his blessings. So let's continue. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name, presence, is a great distance from you, and you are not able to carry your tithe because the Lord your God has blessed you with such an abundance, then you shall exchange your tithe for money and take the money in your hand and go to the place of worship which the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for anything your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or other strong drink or anything else you want. You shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your city gates, for he does not have a share of land or an inheritance among you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce for that year and shall store it up within your city gates. The Levite, because he has no share of land or an inheritance among you, and the stranger and the orphan, and the widow who are within your city gates, shall come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. 
So notice that end part here. You're storing this up, and you're storing this up every third year. You're storing that tithe up, and you're doing it for the Levite, yes, to support. We would say, like today, to support God's work and his ministry on this earth. But notice who else it is for, the stranger. Someone who's not even God's people, but the stranger, the orphan, the widow, who are within your city gates. And I mean, this would be like for the poor, the people who need it, so that they could come and eat and be satisfied and be blessed. just want you to be aware of that. That's always been an important thing that the Lord has mentioned, that um, even in the old law, that we take care of the less fortunate in our land, in our city gates or in our land overall. And that what we give to the Lord is not just for the Lord, but it's also to help these less fortunate people. And this is the way it's always been. And when we distort the Word of God and say that that's not what it's for due to some church tradition or other reason like that, we are actually going against the Word of God. We're actually going against what He has taught for thousands of years. So this has been Deuteronomy chapter 14. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.